Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. Now join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. What does it mean to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? That is the question that we will answer on this episode of Word Matters. I'm Brandon Smith, spokesperson for the CSB, uh, alongside my co-host, Trevor Wax, uh, Bible and Reference Publisher for B&H. One day I'm going to not do the stock intro, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. I'm going to keep doing it. Right now uh, it sounds great. It sounds great. It sounds It's the only professional thing we do in this entire podcast. Yeah. So, uh, so we're going to look today at uh, Philippians 2, 12 to 13, based on this question we just asked. Yeah, this is a passage of scripture that uh, for a lot of long time has caused people to scratch their heads because at first glance, anyway, it seems to contradict what Paul says about faith and works, right? We believe salvation is something that is accomplished by Jesus at the cross, that we are saved by grace through faith apart from any works of our own. Uh, and then Paul goes along here and says we're to work out our salvation. <laughs> so what's going on? Yeah, and I love working out. So this like really fits right into <laughs> yeah. to who I am as a person. Uh, so, yeah, let me read it, uh, Philippians two twelve to 13 in the CSB, and then we'll take a look at a few views. Therefore, my dear brothers, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purposes. All right, so there you have it. Now, the first view of this is that uh, Paul is referring to salvation. When he says, work out your own salvation— he means salvation in the sense of the health of the church. Hmm. Um, remember, he's speaking with a plural form of the verb, so he's talking to the church as a whole. He's not focusing on the individual who is working toward personal salvation. He's talking about the church that's working together to, to, to pull out the implications of their individual salvation so that there is social harmony. In other words, work, show people what salvation looks like in the way that you live together. That's mm. what he's saying. And some backup for this uh, view is the very next section. Um, after this, Paul says, do everything without grumbling and arguing, right? And of course, this comes right after the great Christ hymn, you know, where Christ emptied himself, took on the form of a yeah. servant. We did a good um, show on that. We actually. did a show on that yeah. right, with Lynn Kohick. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then it says, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed. So in other words, um, it, he, Paul is building on what Christ has done, and he's saying, now you, plural, as a community of faith, showcase the salvation of Jesus in your work. Do that with awe and reverence. Salvation here refers to the harmony, the sal- the, the uh, health of the congregation. He's not talking about the individual's salvation from judgment. He's talking about salvation as the health of the congregation. So view number one. Yeah, view number two uh, is that Paul is referring to personal salvation in the future. Uh, so throughout Philippians, you know, Paul, when he speaks of salvation, he uses different tenses, right? So sometimes he says, uh, you have been saved or you will be saved, kind of this uh, different tenses, different past and future. Uh, and it's part of the already not yet, this idea that it, that some way we're saved, but things have not uh, fully come to a head yet in, in Christ and in salvation. So uh, we believe that Jesus is Lord now, but not every knee has bowed and not every tongue has yet confessed, right? Um, so this view is basically saying that that we believe that salvation is accomplished, but we also know that uh, that sanctification is real, and uh, that working out our salvation is an ongoing process. Uh, so in this sense, Paul is saying, uh, you know, basically show that you're saved. Let your works show that you're saved, kind of this James idea, right? Uh, so work out the salvation that's been promised to you. So he's not saying, you know, work out for your salvation or, 
sorry, he's not saying work for your salvation. Um, he's saying work out your salvation, right? You don't have to do anything to be saved, but there is an idea of works uh, that play a part in salvation, or at least uh, showing that you're saved. Uh, and so you do this in fear and trembling. It's not saying um, that you are afraid you'll lose your salvation. That's not the fear and trembling, uh, or that somehow God is angry with you and there's a lightning bolt coming for your head any moment that you sin. Uh, but it's kind of to show this reverence or this fear, this awe of God, uh, realizing that it's God who's at work in and through you, and he's the one who's giving you the power to work. That's the second view. Okay, third view is uh, builds a little bit on the first one, so there's some similarities here, but we're focusing primarily on the question of what does it mean to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Why the word fear and trembling? And there it would say, well, that this refers to fear and trembling in the presence of each other, to the church, not to God. Mm-hmm. So that the passage, again, if the passage is about the church's health, not specifically about individual salvation, then fear and trembling, is that's the outworking of valuing others above yourselves. It's um, about humility and putting others first. That's something Paul has talked about a lot in Philippians 2. It's, it's not about being afraid of God, but of being humble and submissive in regards to the other believers who are there. I think of that line from C.S. Lewis when he says, you have never been in the presence of a mere mortal. Yeah, yeah. When he talks about there's no ordinary person. I mean, that you're talking to an immortal soul anytime, mm-hmm. you know, anytime you're having a conversation with someone else. So almost that sort of that awe and reverence at just what it is we've been tasked to do together. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, so if I'm going to take a view on this, um, you, you just preached through this. So I'm going to let you really uh, quarterback this episode. You've got you're going to have some good thoughts. You on take this. a view. And if I disagree, I'm going to argue you down. Yeah. And I'm going to be in trouble because yeah. I'm not going to be prepared <laughs> enough uh, based on the work you've done uh, sermonizing. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take sort of a hybrid of two and three. Um, I guess there, maybe one falls in there a little bit too. I don't think you need to. So, make in this... other words, you're going to take all the views. I'm taking all the and views. You're going to put them all together. That's right. I'm okay. going to. It's right here, right now. I'm going to do all three views together in one. Right. In one. Now, I, I think I just think we can't we can't dichotomize individual Christianity and corporate Christianity, which we tend to do so much, right? So, I think that both that that all of these views in some way have their own their own merit. Although I think two and three are probably a little bit closer. Um, so, so here's one of the things about this passage, you know, it's, it's God we're talking about here. And so, so we first would say as Protestant Christians, um, we would say, look, we know that we can't work for salvation. We know that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. So in that sense, that kind of idea is out, right? We know that we know that it's through faith, uh, not by any works of our own so that we can, may not boast Ephesians. Um, so we know that. Uh, but we also have to remember that that though we do have mercy and grace in God, there is a sense in which, uh, as as the third view says, you know, there really is fear and trembling before God. I mean, there really is a, a sense of awe. You know, you have the Old Testament passages that say the fear of the Lord um, is knowledge and wisdom. Right, it's the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. So we can't we can't soften that and take that away and say, oh well, God's just kind of letting you go work it out and just go figure out what's going on. And God's really sweet and merciful, and he's not going to judge you for anything. We don't want to go that far, but we, we do want to say that we should have fear of God. Uh, but we also know that it is God who's working through us in a merciful and gracious way. Uh, kind of going back to the second view, it is about our personal salvation in the sense that you individual person, if you're not working out your salvation, if you're not living for God in reverence of God, if you individually are not doing that, then corporately that's not happening. Right, so all individuals make up the church, the corporate church, and so therefore each one of us are working out our salvation, and in a broader sense, um, God is moving and pre- preserving the church. So that's okay. my—that's all three views in one. That wasn't too bad. <clears throat> no, I gotta hand it to you. I do like when people avoid false dichotomies. So. Mm. 
Congratulations, you did that well. <laughs> um, I, I would take view number two, that Paul is referring to personal salvation. Wow, you're just going to dichotomize this thing um, right now. No, huh? I'm, wow. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to say um, I do think he, he is talking about salvation, but he's using the already, not yet in, yeah. in some ways. So, but here, here's where we get tripped up. Okay, when Paul says work out your salvation, he, he did not say work for your salvation. He said work out. Work for something means, you know, you're on the payroll, you're doing your time, you're earning something, you're like an employee. You do your part, you expect the employer to do his or her part, right? Um, in spiritual terms, it would mean you're working for salvation and God's going to reward your good deeds, right? Uh, working out your salvation, totally different meaning. God has already done the work for you. The work necessary for your salvation was finished mm-hmm. on the cross. Um, it's already complete. But God still is doing a work of salvation, and it's it's primarily he's doing something in you. And that's why you see the very next verse saying, for it is God who is working in you to will uh, what he wants, right? He He is the one who is working in you to work and to will. So um, he's making you more like Jesus. He is growing up, growing you up to fear, to, to maturity in Christ. So he that working out, you're working out, the way I would say it, is you're working out what God has worked in. That's, that's what we're showing mm. to the world. Tweet that. We're showing to the world who we are in in Christ. And the fear and trembling thing, um, I you know, you may think, well, I guess that means I need to be working out my salvation because if I'm not doing enough good things, God's not going to receive me into his kingdom. Um, I've got to—fear is the motivator, you know, and then the, the grace-filled, gospel-centered people say, no, 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 fear has <laughs> nothing to do with salvation, right? Yeah. We, we, we don't have to be afraid once we receive Christ's salvation as a gift. Um, I Honestly, I think— we need to take a step back and let Paul use this phrase to uh, really challenge us in both areas. Um, no, it doesn't mean you work out your salvation because you're afraid of losing it or that you're not going to be good enough for God or that God's mad or hateful toward us. Paul says in another letter that the church received Titus with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean that they were afraid of Titus, though they were that they were uh, they received him with a holy awe. It, it's taking uh, it's 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 really having this reverential respect of the presence of God, um, knowing he is the king of kings, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? That we that we understand we love him, he is close to us, but he's also the prince. He's yeah. also the king. Um, I love Chrysostom, 1,700 years ago, preaching on this passage. He says, um, tell me, if you were continually standing next to the ruler, wouldn't you be standing in fear? When you're eating, consider God present, for he is. When you're going to sleep, when you're angry, when you're taking what's not yours, when you're indulging in luxury, whatever you're doing, if you continually have this attitude, you'll be in fear and trembling. What he means is reverential awe because you are standing next to the king. And I love that, that mm-hmm. emphasis of we work out our salvation of fear and trembling because God is at work in us. That yeah. is an amazing, amazing thing that we don't want to shy away and somehow explain that away. Uh, it should create this reverential awe that the awesome God of the universe is working yeah. in us and, and through us. So um, let, let's move on to how we would preach or teach this. Brandon, you taking this passage that might cause some people to stumble, how would you preach or teach this? Yeah, I definitely um, am going to highlight, uh, like I said earlier, this um, idea that we're not working for our salvation, that we can't earn our salvation, that there's nothing we can do uh, to deserve it or earn it, because that is something that, although it's preached a thousand times, a million times in churches all around the country every Sunday. You can't emphasize that enough. Yeah, we always, because we always default back into it, right? We always default back into somehow, some way, trying to work for our salvation. Sure. So we don't want to read this and, and assume that somebody in the pew is going to go, well, you said that last Sunday, but Paul is telling me right here that I can start working. 
right? Like he's telling me to get to work. So you want to make sure that well, you're he clarifying is telling that. You to get to work, but he's not telling you to get to work to yes, earn. Yes, in the salvation. way that you think, right? right. So I, I think you want to make sure that you're clarifying that, just as Trevin clarified me. And um, <laughs> and I think the other thing that, to really highlight here is kind of going off of this, uh, what Christosom said. It's this: God is is actively working in your heart. I mean, he is he is near. So we we tend to think of God as out in heaven, kind of separate. Uh, we accepted Distance. Jesus. Yeah, we accepted yeah. Jesus into our heart. So he's like in our heart, but I've never seen him and he's not really here. And sometimes it feels like he's not there. And those are all, you know, when you're going through um, stress, when you're going through suffering, there are times where God feels distant, but this is a good reminder that he's not, that he's always there. He's always working in your heart. And so why do you have fear and trembling? Because God is there. He's present. He's right there. The, the awesome God of the universe who created all things, who loves you individually and who loves his people corporately is right there working in your heart. He's not abandoned you. He's not walked away from you. And that is a very clear picture in here that, that, that there's not this God who's out there and we're going to go see him later. Work it out right now because he's right there with you. Yeah, I, I like that. I um, Okay, so I would make the same clarification that you're making about the relationship of faith and works and show how this fits into that. So um, I would make that clarification, but I would not want to miss the main point of the passage, which is not Paul talking about by grace you are saved from faith apart from works. His main point here is that you should get to work. Post-salvation, on the other side of salvation, right? On the other side of you being uh, redeemed, you are now working out, demonstrating your salvation. Mm -hmm. Peterson, Eugene Peterson, uses that great... You, you've heard that quote before, a long obedience in the same direction. He has a book by the name, yeah. Uh, yeah. His best he, book, actually. My favorite book of his. Yeah, yeah. He, he's talking about um, you know growth and holiness, sanctification. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love that, a long obedience in the same direction. I think what Paul has in mind here is he, I, 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 we've got to challenge this notion that, that grace simply means, a lot of people think, that must mean the Christian life should be a breeze, and you're just yeah. supposed to sort of let go and let God. He Spiritual does all disciplines the work. are Pharisaical, and right? Really, right. Know, yeah. I, I mean, it, you're missing the meaning of grace. You know, I've I've heard it said before. I think I don't know Kevin DeYoung or someone has said grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. Yeah. Right. That there, grace doesn't mean you don't do any work. Grace is what makes it possible for you to do the work in the mm-hmm. first place. That's the the point there. And Paul uses these metaphors all the time. He talks use metaphors. I mean, if you want to take the work out your salvation metaphor and you want to put it in different um, or or the instruction and put it into the context of different metaphors. You've got Paul talking about athletes, soldiers in the heat of battle, uh, putting on the armor of God, Christians who are like athletes running a race, Olympians who are competing for a prize. I mean, you watch someone run track, play, you know, go to football camp, learn to play soccer, someone learning gymnastics. I mean, that doesn't come from sitting back. That comes from effort, persistence. It takes work. Um, so I would try to pick some illustrations of working out to say, yeah, this is this is what uh, the Christian life is. It, it is one of exertion. Yeah. Um, it's an exertion that is energized by the Spirit of God in you. Mm-hmm. It's not one that is fruitless, toilsome, exhausting exertion. This is something that is is beautiful. But God frees us to to actually work. And uh, going back to those other views we talked about, I I do. I don't want to give the impression that the corporate side doesn't matter to this. So you're coming to my view. I love uh, this. I, just a little. My views, all of my views. No, I'm view. just a little. Uh, just a okay. little. Um, English doesn't have a plural form of you, so we don't hear the plural there with the work out your yeah. own salvation. Uh, we do in the South. It's called y'all, right? <laughs> so in the Southern Standard Bible, 
forgive me for deviating from the Christian Standard Bible right now. Uh, the passage is, work out y'all's salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in y'all, both to will and work according to his purpose. He's talking to a church, not an individual. Did you use this in your sermon, by the way, this illustration? I'm, I'm going to. This would totally I'm, work. I'm going to, yeah. yeah. I'm in Tennessee. It definitely going to work. But yeah. what the point is, it's a community project, right? Yeah. We work out together. Um, at, we're going to work together as we work yeah. out. We and, and this is one reason, even with actual workouts, people go to gyms, mm-hmm. right? Or even like with my Fitbit, I've got community friends that I'm like competing with on how a many steps we're getting a day. Of, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, I don't think Paul was thinking about Fitbits, but I'm just saying <laughs> that there is this community aspect that we see, you know, we're, we're holding each other accountable, yeah. we're walking together. And I, I don't, I, uh, even though I'm going to focus on the individual side, I don't want to miss that that corporate side, and I would make that a point when I'm preaching. Yeah, so. and I think too. I mean, you're kind of you're bringing up that idea too of um, when I think about for me, what is the hardest thing about the Christian life for me? It actually is community, because there is so much. If you're truly in community with people, you're truly loving one another, bearing one another's burdens. Uh, the things that Scripture calls us to do, that is often the hardest thing to do. It's it's hard to, it's sometimes hard to empathize, it's sometimes hard to sympathize, uh, sometimes it's hard to just sit there and cry with somebody. It's just hard. Like when you have a friend who's going through a divorce or uh, who just found out that they're sick or uh, even just had a really bad week at work, uh, it's kind of hard sometimes to just put an arm around them and, and, and weep with them and see them struggling. And that to me is is a, a clear picture of what it looks like to work out your salvation in the way that Paul is saying it. Sure. There is going to be some things that are not comfortable and they're not what you want them to be, but because of godliness, because of who God is, and because of your fear and awe for who he is and what he's called us to, uh, you're willing to step into it and you're willing to go through it. So. Sounds good. Yeah, so, well, thank you, uh, everyone, for listening. As always, Trevin, thanks for hosting, and uh, we will see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Word Matters has been presented by the Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is faithful to the original languages but clear for today's audience. Find out more at csbible.com.